Hi, Philmanics. Welcome back to part two with Amber Hollinger. On uh, just a little recap, Amber, she is a director at the Walt Disney Television Animation, and I just want to let everyone to know that um, she she is nominated for an Annie by ASIFA for Hollywood for Best Children's Programming for uh, Stillwater on Apple TV and a project that she directed on Fox new animated sitcom Housebroken Star and Lisa Kudrow is going to be debuting pretty soon and she has a podcast. So let's find out how she got her first job with big, can we say this, kahunas. I love it. <laughs> Amber, welcome back to part two. Hey, Marilyn. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we were talking about how you went to um, CalArts and then, you know, after one year, we, you know, we found out intuition was a little steep, maybe a little steep. So you had your yeah. own plan of attack. <laughs> you called it the roadhouse attack. <laughs> oh, well, that was you. You had, you had mentioned that you've always just been so nice and maybe you just needed to get a little mean. And I was saying, well, I, I live by roadhouse rules. And if anybody has seen that 80s movie with Patrick Swayze, Sam Elliott, you know the roadhouse rules and it's a super terrible cheesy 80s movie but i have a very soft spot in my heart for it because there was something in one of those scenes that spoke to me and patrick swayze is in this town and it's his job as a bouncer to go and clean up bars so like he's the best bouncer of life i guess and you hire him if you just have a you know like a shitty situation and you need to get your bar cleaned up so he comes in cleans up the riffraff. So he's basically explaining to this new uh, establishment, the staff there, how things are going to work. And he's really super calm. And he, he paces up, down, up and down the bar and he says, so here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna be nice. <laughs> you're gonna be very nice. You're gonna be nice until it's time not to be nice. And that's, that's when Patrick Swayze fucking goes off the rail. He'll kick everyone's ass. He will, he will grab your heart out of your throat, rip it out. He'll fuck the girl. Like then he gets down to business, but until then he's going to keep his act nice and classy. So that's kind of how I'm like, that made sense to me as even as a woman, I'm like, you know what? Okay, cool. It basically means that you have lines and you have boundaries and you're going to give people respect until they don't give you respect in return. And then guess what? They've set the rules. If someone isn't being respectful to you, why are they allowed to do something to you and you are not allowed to reciprocate? They've laid the play field. The, the, you know, the, they've set the stage, so to speak. So when that, when that guy, when that producer spoke down to me there was nothing that he was saying that was incorrect i had no experience i what well, he was wrong i did have something to offer him and I, I proved it but he spoke down to me it was very condescending he didn't have to speak to me that way he could deliver that message any way that he wanted but he saw an 18 year old girl and i was the only female artist on that crew there was a colorist 
but I was the only female artist and everyone else there was either in their late 20s, 30s or 40s. I was a complete fish out of water. And, and can you just share with us what he said to you? Because I think the Wi-Fi went out a little bit, but I want everyone to know how you stood up to this person in the most classy, amazing way. And and, and you did your little Patrick Swayze. So this is what you're going to do. I, I'm going I'm to steal that from you. I'm going to steal that from you and Patrick. And I'm like, so this is what you do. You're going to hire me. You're going to hire me <laughs> and you're going to take my animation films and make it and you're going to make a lot. So, so this guy, so, literally so he, so he, I'm, I'm at his studio for the fifth month in a row asking for a job without an appointment. So I'm, I'm oh. not following protocol, but I, I am naive. I don't know what to do because I've never done this before. So I just assumed you'd go and knock on doors. I didn't know you had to make an appointment. So at the fifth time that I went to visit him, he took me inside and he took me into his office and he basically just scolded me and said, um, little girl. I mean, you just called me little girl. Oh my I God. was, but come on. That's, little still, girl. that's so insulting. I, like, I'm glad he didn't hurt you in any way. Like, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't like that. It was, it was meant to emotionally crush me. It was meant to crush my spirit. And, and I don't know what that proved to him. Um, you know, ultimately what he was, but that what he got out of that experience, but um, eventually he got a very hardworking, good artist out of it because he said, "Little girl, I don't know what you're doing here. You keep coming back here month after month, and you don't have any experience, and you have nothing to offer me, and I don't know what you want me to do." And my response to him was like two eye blinks. I'd say blink, blink, and then I go, "Here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna hire me." You're going to hire me and you're going to pay me one third of the salary of the lowest paid person at this company. And that includes the janitor for three months. And if after three months, I'm not as good or better than everybody else, you can fire me. But if I am good enough, you're going to hire me and you're going to pay me like everyone else. And I stuck my hand out like I was taught to do when I was younger. And I just waited for him to take it. I didn't lose eye contact with him. I didn't buckle, I didn't falter, I didn't stammer, and I don't know where the fuck that came from, quite frankly, but I just didn't like being talked down to. And 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 that is so beautiful. That is so beautiful that like you stood up for yourself with like respect and professionalism and you knew you had something to offer him and and he took your hand and agreed. Amber, that is like the most beautiful story and encouraging story. Not that we want people to like barge into people's office ruthlessly or anything, but like, you know, cause you know, a lot of people call it stalking and stuff, but like if there's a way to, <laughs> to, to like tip, tie, pull the rope where you can like meet someone and um, be able to say, listen, I just need a chance, but I do have something to offer to you. So if there's a way. Well, what to it, what it was that I needed to communicate to him was that I was going, that I was hungry and that I was going to work for this. Like, look how much I want this job. I will take pennies. I'll take a, a fraction of the salary to come aboard because I know that the experience is going to be worth any kind of monetary loss that I might have. And I did, I worked nights and weekends. I am not afraid of hard work and I was not afraid to prove myself. And I have the same attitude going into every job I do today. I walked into Disney four weeks ago 
to direct this new series. And you better believe that I walked in going, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to earn my place here. I've also been very careful throughout my years to not take favors from anybody high up. I have always had the audit of the attitude that if, if I couldn't make it on my own, then I can't make it. I love that. Like you're just so encouraging your and the way that I think it's going to be so encouraging for so many people that are out there, like just wondering how did they get it? But you had extraordinary talent. Like you have the talent. And then you also have the drive because these days it's a lot of work to be in the film business. Like, like you said, like um, 14, 15, 18 hours um, around the clock. When, when I was um, a talent manager, I was working way too many hours, um, like, like literally like 80 hours a week. And I did get people booked. I got, I got a guy booked on Mink um, with his Oscar nominated. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my passion is always being a creator and writing kids stories. And uh, so that's, that's where my heart was that the new talent manager was like, Nope, you don't belong behind um, any computer clicking people for auditions, you go and create that's what you do. And my new manager got me like some people get you. And, um, and I'm just so excited. So can you tell us so like you worked for this producer at the studio? And you did, you did pass to get on that pay paycheck. And um, are you allowed to share like your first couple of animation um, films or television shows that you did? Sure. Um, my very, very first job was on The Critic at Film Roman. And I had a bunch of friends from CalArts that were working on The Simpsons downstairs. So that was kind of cool. I met a lot of friends that I still have to this day. Um, I think you're going to have one of them as a guest pretty soon, Mr. Silverman. <laughs> yeah, David Silverman <laughs> came on the show and he played the tuba for us. Of course he did. Did he? Uh, which is it's radio, so you couldn't see the flames. <laughs> well, I, well I, I could see I could see the tubas and all the uh, musical instruments and but the audience couldn't see because it it's you know podcasts or audio right now until until they change that but I was like oh can you please play for us and he said absolutely and it was just so much fun because he's like a director and producer of the Samsons and you know uh, yeah it was more than that you know he directed Monsters Inc and he's got a new movie coming out which I'm sure he promoted I don't want to steal that thunder from him but you know when that's one of these things about being in the business is there's always going to be somebody better than you you get like a David Silverman and homeboy uh can write music play music he can animate he can uh he can direct he can edit uh, he can produce. I mean, there's nothing that he can't do. He travels in a vaudeville band, Burning Man, Jet Setter. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's the Dos Equis guy, and we don't even know. You know what I'm saying? The Dos Equis guy. I think so. I think <laughs> maybe he's the most interesting man in the world. I don't know. So then, but you can't let someone like that intimidate you, even though it's really intimidating. Because then you'll never do anything. You know, you've, the only way you'll get better is if you just go out there and just keep busting balls. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. So you worked on The Critic. And then, like, um, can you share? Because you did so many. You have over 35 um Oh, my gosh. Now it's 38. It's just it's a lot. And I, that's for me starting so young, really. I was fortunate enough to be able to 
have, you know what, I haven't worked for DreamWorks, but I think I've worked for every other major player out there. And I love each, each studio has its own kind of vibe and voice and, and procedurals that are interesting to me. They each have their own kind of uh, business plan. And I really love the business side of animation as well. So I went to Nickelodeon, which is where I met Dan Pavenmeyer, who is my current boss, which is very many, many years later, he was my director on Hey Arnold. And then now I'm his director on his newest creation, uh, Hamster and Gretel. And if anybody doesn't know who Dan Pavenmeyer is, then you should, um, I don't know, don't be listening to this pod. This is the wrong podcast for you because he's the creator of Phineas and Ferb, the global uh, Disney animated sensation, which is still gathering audience today. He is also one of those people who is an incredible genius. So I went to Nickelodeon and then I spent 10 years at Disney before going off and doing other things and coming back to Disney now. But I was so lucky to be able to work on features and television. It was just my dream. I did my first feature when I was 21. I was a storyboard artist on the Tigger movie. And I met June Falkenstein, who was the director. And it was one of the first times I ever had a female director. I'm trying to think if I ever had one again. Like maybe 20 years later. She's a and she's a rock star. She blows everybody out of the water. She's the same. <laughs> but I got that. to work, I got to work on the Lion King franchise and Lilo and Stitch and the Jungle Book and Fox and the Hound and uh, Hercules. And all these great uh, shows like The Weekenders and Recess and Onam Pumbaa and 101 Dalmatians. I mean, it was such a fun time. I loved being on the Disney lot. And then I've, I moved to Warner Brothers. I spent many years at Warner Brothers and I've done work for RGH and Universal and Klosky Tupo and... Goodness gracious, uh, Apple TV and Galmont and Bento Box. I, I love it. I love going to different houses. And it, it is a goal of mine, especially as a female. Sometimes it's hard to be taken seriously. I've sat in a room where I have been told to my face that this is a boys club and that I don't belong. So it just, that gives me extra ammunition to want to try because I will sit across from the person who's going to hire me and I know that they're going to look at my resume and say, what can you do for me? And I've worked really, really hard so that person sitting across the table cannot say that I haven't done, I haven't done features. I have, I haven't done television. I have, I haven't done preschool. Oh no, no, I have. You've done adult? Yes. You've done primetime? Sure, I have. You've done short format? Yes, I have. Long format? Yeah. Action? Done it. Um, emotional stuff? Yeah. Uh, limited animation? Sure. Uh, like economized animation? Done it. Uh, fe feature quality? Mm-hmm. Done it. Like, go ahead. Go ahead and try. Musical numbers? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I have sure I have ticked all of the Japanese animation? Yep. I mean, I'm just... I don't, I want to take away any excuse that anybody would have 
to not give me a shot. I am the hardest worker on the planet. I have such pride of ownership of what I do. I will not let a piece of crap go out there. I love that. And and gentlemen, Amber Hollinger is in the house. She's here to stay. And she is is directing, you know, (laughs) she, she, she is here. She's not going anywhere. And we need, we need her to represent the female director because there's not very many at all. Like you said, how many are there? You said there's like a handful, right? It's getting better though, because I've been in this business since I was 18, I've seen, there's still a lot of closed doors, but there's a lot of open doors. And you have to be willing to fight to open them. You can't let, I mean, yes, as a woman, I want someone to open the door for me. That's that's gentlemanly. But in business, you have to open your own doors, metaphorically. You have to get in there. You have to believe in yourself. You have to have a conviction that you are, that you belong there. It's, it's almost a fake it till you make it kind of thing. Because if you act like you belong there, then eventually people are going to start going, oh yeah, maybe you do belong here. I can say on my current series at Disney, uh, I am one of two people directing the series. We split the episodes 50-50 and it's another woman. It's the first time ever that I have worked side by side with another female director. It's really awesome. Oh, I love that. And I, I think, you know, as we were talking, how you, you were talking about your film noir, I think you, I don't know if you've seen this film, <laughs> but um, The Wicked Lady is starting oh, to remind me of you. But the, the ending is like, you know, the ending is like, you know, ignore the ending because I, <laughs> because I don't know if you've seen it with Margaret Atwood, but I can't even believe this film was made back then because the woman becomes a gangster. <laughs> And she takes what she wants and then she meets another gangster and she's like, oh no, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. This is my turn. (laughs) So I don't know. It's really funny you should say that. Maybe that's one of the reasons I like film noir because the females in there are empowered. They're the femme fatales. They have agency and control over their actions. Maybe that's why I like it. Oh yeah. I highly recommend (laughs) The Wicked Lady (laughs) with Margaret Agward. It stands the test of time. And this woman, she just is like, she just goes and gets what she wants. And like, I think I'm the other woman in the story. (laughs) But but it took her forever to get what she wanted. It took her forever. Like, Like the very end of the movie. Like, she's probably like 90. I hope that's not my career path. Like, she finally gets her good dessert. But. Margaret Atwood, she just takes everything towards it. But like, and you, and but, but like, this is film noir stuff. But like, I mean, well, like, even that. I mean, listen, it, it took me twenty years to be able to sit in the director's chair. It's what? that's it's hard earned. It's really hard earned. And I'm gonna ask you, like, how did you transition? Like, what was your like? How did it change? Did you get a lucky break? Did you have someone champion you? Did you have a mentor? Like, what? Finally, did they like say, okay, Amber, you're going to start directing? Because I had some guys oh, no, on here. I, I, I had to chase yeah. that rabbit down for sure. Okay. And the only, and this is just, just honest truth. The only reason I got hired on my very, very first directing job is because it was a studio starting from the ground up and they were desperate. 
they were desperate. They were absolutely, nobody else would take the job because it wasn't, uh, nobody that was worth their salt or had a big name in, in directing was going to take that job. So I, are you kidding? I jumped on that, like no tomorrow. And I recognized exactly what it was. It's such a two-edged sword when you go into any kind of business, right? How can you get a job when you need experience? But you can't get experience until you have the job. So I knew I just needed a directing credit. If I had one directing credit, the next time I went to get a directing job, somebody could see that I could do this or somebody else paid me to do it in the past. As story artists, there are plenty of shows, like uh, 11-minute shorts, that I have boarded and directed myself and never gotten credit for. Storyboard artists are like mini directors. They're just training you to direct. The biggest part of a jump from doing that to being a director is that it is tenfold. You have not just one or two scenes, you have every scene. You're also required to put it all together in edit and do all the corrections yourself. And then, oh, by the way, you also have four more episodes. So maybe you're running four episodes at the same time, each in a different phase of production. You have to be extremely decisive and extremely organized. Um, you have to have a cool, calm, level head and be able to deal with the politics at a studio. It's a very learned position for sure. And I, I certainly was a numb nuts when I started because what do you, I don't know what you do. Right. But I, I only got hired because they were desperate. That's it. <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of like, don't like to hear that that was the only reason, but I'm glad that you took it because look, I mean, <laughs> look at the amazing, you're just so talented. And like you said, there's a lot of pressure. You got to be organized. You got it. Like, is it, do you think it's the vision as well? Like you said, like I'm um, watching the Alfred Hitchcock said he storyboard everything, having the talent to be able to see the vision and storyboard it. And also you said you have to know how to do editing and corrections. There's a lot that goes into it. Like you, like you were telling me off camera, cause you know, I've just only directed short films so far and, you know, directing podcasts and directing things that, but, um, you know, like trying to transition from writing a children's book, like, you know, art director of the cover and the pages, and then you do the audio version, but like, you're actually doing the, you know, my dream, you're, you're doing the visual audio medium. So can you just share a little bit from story artist to the directing, how that is a little, uh, how much work in the difference? Oh, it's, it's similar in, in some ways, but mostly not. <laughs> It's like that times a thousand. Uh, it's great though. It's everything I've ever wanted in a job. Honestly, I mean, maybe the next step would be show creator or show runner. And I have not taken that off of my, um, my bucket list by any means, but I love the process of storytelling. I, I am a storyteller. It's just something that I naturally like, because I didn't go to school for film, obviously. I just, naturally understand how a story should feel and where you should cut and what the emphasis should be on. So, you know, as a director, you start out, you get a script and you talk with the writer about the intent of the script and then you break it down into sequences. And then you're looking at all of the assets you're going to need, just like a, just like a live action director. How many sets do we need? Do we have uh, pre-designed sets, you know, like uh, if you were directing say full house, that's a pretty economized set. You're usually shooting in 
the house and that stage is always there. But then if you have a special location that's not on that set, then you have to call that out on your set list. You have to go scout that location, find it and book it. And then that's part of your show. Obviously, the, the more crazy your show gets, then the more uh, locations there are. And it's the same for an animated show. You might have your main DOS, um, uh, domicile established and designed, but then if you go outside of that, that's a new set. So you have to document that trees. Is there a lake? Is there a bench? Is there, a, it gets down into such nitty gritty little things. How many new characters do you have? What do they look like? What are their costumes? It's the same as a live action film. You have to have characters, costuming, you have to break it down. You have to have voice actors attached to anybody that has a line for goodness sakes. And this is just in the script. We haven't even started. We're just reading the script and starting to make notes and figuring out what we need to do from here because then all the background designers are given their assignments for new backgrounds to be created. All of the character designers are given new characters, which take care of all the costuming. And then, then I have to think about, okay, how do I break down all these scenes and hand them out to artists? So I start drawing thumbnails of camera shots and ideas that I have and start really downloading the intent and what kind of uh, what kind of shots are appropriate for the particular show. Every show, every television show, every movie has a different visual language attached to it. There are rules to that universe that if you break them, it takes your audience out of the show. So you have to be very aware of what those are. And that means you have to be able to pivot in your filmmaking. I'm not going to direct Dora the Explorer, the same way I would direct Breaking Bad. That doesn't mean I can't do Dora the Explorer or SAR. So it's my job to go in there, talk to the creator. What is your vision? How can I execute it? And then not only how can I execute it, how can I elevate it? How can I take your thing and make it even better and infuse whatever little bit of personality I have so you know that's one of my shows because it's got my love and my stamp to it, which is super cool. Then you get into actual pre-production where you're drawing these scenes out and you're going through uh, story launches. And my schedule here at Disney is basically every two weeks I launch a new episode, which means I'll be running five episodes at a time at any given time throughout the season. That's amazing. That's Editing, that's then you get notes on scenes and you have to implement those notes in a quick turnaround and then you have to go into edit and then you get notes from the heads of the company. There's this big process, a pipeline process that goes through before you can actually lock and send it off to animation. Wow, that's wow. amazing. I, I, I love that you took your chance, you grabbed it. And um, can you just share with um, everyone, we have a couple, um, we have like four more minutes. Um, oh. I, I wanna just see like, um, can you tell them about your new show that you've been working on and what's coming oh, up oh, for you? Oh, yes, yes. So a um, couple things, season one episodes of Stillwater are out on Apple TV. It is a gorgeous, lovely property. Please, please check it out. It doesn't get enough attention, it's just, a wonderful property. Uh, Fox's Housebroken, starring Lisa Kudrow, is going to be premiering after Bob's Burgers on May 31st. It's got an amazing cast, Lisa Kudrow, Tony Hale, and Will Fort, and Shannon Horgan, and Nat Faxon, and Clea Duvall, and Jason Manzoukas, and Sam Richardson, a fabulous cast. 
I am creating my own film, uh, my own podcast, which will air next month. It's called Film Fight, and it's a film analysis podcast where we take two movies of similar genre or story or theme and match them up to see which one works better and why. And I have co-hosts, uh, Zach Bassetta, Steve Walter, and Jim Bastano. Uh, Zach is a podcaster Steve, and a writer. Steve Walter is a audio engineer and works in post-production for film and television. Jim Bustano is a marketing strategist for Team One behind campaigns for like Pepsi and Lexus. So we have this great, amazing, diverse cast. I'm the only woman on the cast with three very cute boys. It's not a bad place to be for a hobby. <laughs> yeah, so um, so we'll wrap it up real quick. So can you just share everybody where they can keep up with um, what you're doing and what's coming out? Um, I'm usually just posting things on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram. And what is your Instagram? Uh, overanimatedproductions.com. Oh, overanimatedproductions.com. And your new show, I'm going to just reca re recap it real quick, um, is uh, check out Stillwater and Apple TV and Fox premiere of the new animated sitcom, Housebroken, starring Lisa Kudrow, which you directed several episodes, and also your podcast, which is coming out in May. It's called Film Fight. Amber, we are so happy to have you today. It's been fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on, Marilyn. It was so nice getting to know you. Yeah. Um, so everybody, that was Amber Hollinger, amazing director and storyboard artist. And um, we just can't wait to see what's coming up for you. And, you know, come on back anytime and share any new new shows that you have on. I can't wait for you to be an actual producer of something as well, because that's on your bucket list, right? Uh, well, showrunner or creator. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. And check out part one and part two. And I'll have all information in the summary so you can um, find out what what amber is up to and all the great shows that she told you in the um, episode thanks everyone for listening have a great week till next week stay healthy and safe <laughs>